Good morning. Welcome to church. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. North Star's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. I said it so fast you couldn't do it, but let's do it together. It's a place where everybody's welcome, nobody is perfect, and what? And you'll see that sign as you leave the services each week. Anything is possible with God. We exist as a church, so that those that are far from God will draw near to him through the power of Jesus Christ. And that's who we are about. If you're glad you're here, give God a praise clap this morning. <clears throat> We're a church, one church with two locations right now, and uh, Saltillo and Tupelo, and we're glad to see what God is doing at both of our campuses churchwide. We're glad that you're here today. I want to uh, get right into the message, but before I do, I, I really want to hammer on this just for a, a couple of seconds or so, and that is Serve Day. Wesley said something about it a moment ago, but let me tell you, we need you to get your phones and sign up. If you don't do text messaging, uh, we get that, and we have a sign-up list at guest services. But we need you. It's this coming Saturday. We have 10 project categories, and uh, the success of this is going to be if you sign up. I know people have told me, oh, I forgot. I've been meaning, on, meaning to do it. Well, it's time. We need it now. <laughs> so uh, if, if it won't distract, if, you, if it won't take you forever like to do it, go ahead and sign up right now. I'll be cool with that, but like, do it quick. But uh, just send your name, text your name to 662, you've got to enter that, 493-2311, 493-2311. I know for some of you, you're thinking, well, I've, it's been a busy summer and I've got something that afternoon. Well, then pick a project that's that morning, okay? We're pumped about this and we need you to sign up. We don't need you to... Wait until the last minute for crying out loud. Let me come out there amongst you and do it for you or something. But uh, please, please uh, sign up, 493-2311. Just send us your name. Don't put other things, just your name, and you'll get a reply. For example, if you choose, um, I think it's number two, uh, let's just say number one, uh, yard work. I mean, who doesn't want to do yard work for people in the 90 degree weather of August. I mean, who, you'd be crazy not to want to do that. Uh, or, or two is uh, the cool air conditioned nursing home ministries. It'll, give, it'll send you a text back that says, do you want to do Saltillo, Tupelo, or New Albany? And you'll have an opportunity. It's about a three-step process, but we would appreciate it greatly if you would sign up because we're going with who signed up. We can't go with who wanted to sign up or who, um, you know, thought we would call them or something. We're going with those that say, yeah, I'm in on this. I'm, I'm going to be a part of this. All right, so that's next Saturday. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome blessing our neighborhoods. We talked to somebody just recently about some, some needed construction, minor needed construction on their house, and we, we've got a construction team, if you're interested in that. There's all kind of stuff. So be a part of that, and God, I believe, will bless you. One other quick thing is uh, on Sunday night, uh, August the 27th, that's a couple of weeks from now, we're going to have a vision night, and I'm going to be sharing 
strategically what I believe God wants us to do to be the church in our communities, in our region, that God wants us. I'm going to be sharing strategy. I'm going to be sharing core values. I'm going to be sharing some stuff that I can't even tell you about right now. I can't. Because I just can't let you know right now. I'm, let me call it something, and so you'll know when you hear it. We're going to talk about the pathway to discipleship. We're going to talk about growth tracks. And all of this is going to be done. We're going to worship. And all of this is going to be done in about one hour. If we go like five minutes over, don't, don't kill me. But it's not going to be a long night. It's a school night. And so it's going to be an awesome time uh, for the church, the core, to come together and just uh, hear the vision. I'm so pumped about this, and uh, I hope that you'll make plans to be there. All right. Well, we're beginning a brand new series. I think one of them, I say this a lot, but I really believe this. I believe this is, has the potential of being one of the most important series uh, in our church. At least it's a timely series. It's from the book of John. It's called Assurance. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and be turning to 1 John chapter 5. Now, we're not going like verse by verse, starting with chapter 1, verse 1, but we're going to be talking specifically on the subject of assurance. I believe that God wants us to be sure of our salvation. And so we're going to be looking at that subject, and we're going to be looking at how do I know that God loves me? How do I know that God has accepted me? How do I know that 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 I'm going to go to heaven when I die? I, I'm talking to some folks today uh, uh, either that are in the room or listening online that are struggling with that area of assurance, of knowing for certain that you're saved. So John wrote John. <laughs> John wrote First John. Uh, as, as well as the Gospel of John. Commentator Westcott said that while the Gospel of John reveals the deity of Jesus, the epistle, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, reveal the humanity. You need them both. You need the deity. You need the fact that he is all God. And then you need to know the fact that he was all man. And so, the Gospel of John, it was not like a letter like the book of Ephesians, for example. The, the Apostle Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. He even named himself in the book of Ephesians. He even named Timothy. He named other people. But the, the book of 1 John doesn't do that. It's a letter, all right, but it was not like to a specific. Some, some believe it was, a, it was a cover letter to the Gospel of John. But it was definitely going to be circulated. It doesn't name the author. It doesn't have a beginning. Uh, it does have a beginning, but it, it doesn't have like an introduction like the book of Ephesians had. And it doesn't have a conclusion like the book of Philippians has. It's, it's, uh, someone said it is like a passionate, urgent memo that was sent out for the, the, the new churches to read. Let me give you just quickly some background. The churches around this, this time were dealing with Gnosticism. They were dealing with people that believed in many gods. They were dealing with people that had been taught, Christians that had been taught, you can lose 
your salvation. They were dealing with people that believed that you have to work to, to keep it. And so with that in mind, let's read chapter, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13. John writes, he says, I write these things to you who believe. So he's writing to people who believe. He's writing to believers in the name of the Son of God so that you may know. Now, you hear what he's doing. You hear what he is saying. He's saying, I'm writing to those who believe but may not have the assurance. Some of you are listening today who believe but you go to bed at night without the assurance so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of him. Then he says, if you see a brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray, and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin, and there is a sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. One who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. Now that's, that's really uh, a lot. And I don't know, I, I'm going to start, <laughs> just humor me for a moment, I'm going to start with the last part of our text because I, I know at the end I'm not going to be able to spend enough time on it and I'm going to actually come back to it at a later date. But he says, you may be thinking, well, what is the sin unto death? I've got a whole message on that, but I'm going to give you the whole message right now in like two minutes. What is the sin unto death? Well, there are two kinds of sin. We're going to just briefly look at this at the end. That's stumbling into sin. And, this, and the, uh, the, the other sin is uh, a sinful resolve. That is saying, I'm going to sin. I'm going to keep no, we might not use the word sin. I'm going to keep living the way I'm living, even though the Holy Spirit is convicting me, and I know I'm doing wrong, and I know I'm going in the wrong direction, but I'm going to keep doing it. Or you may not say it, but you do it. And you say, well, pastor, what, is, what does it mean to sin unto death? I believe that there is a line, and I know not where it is, a time, and I know not when it is, that a person willfully um, resolves to sin to the, if they're a believer, that there can come a point that God will, can say and will say, all right, I've convicted you, I've tried to draw you back, and you profess the name of Jesus and you are hurting the cause of Christ and not only are you hurting the cause of Christ you've been hurting the cause of Christ you're hurting the cause of Christ and you have resolved to keep hurting the cause of Christ to the point that God might just take you home so whoa oh, 
Stop right there. Don't preach what you were going to preach and stay right there. Well, that's all I'm going to tell you. There is a time, I don't know when, there is a line, I know not where, that when you, you willfully resolve to keep sinning, that either, number one, you're not saved, or two, you're, you're going to cross God's deadline. But today I want to talk about assurance. Say, so, well, I, yeah, I want assurance. Well, first of all, if you're not a believer, you're never going to get assurance until you meet Christ. As a believer, he wants you to have uh, the, the assurance. The, the, the sad reality is, if there was a Guinness book of world records of how many times somebody has prayed the prayer of salvation, there's probably some people who, right now who are listening to me you would be in the Guinness Book of World Records because you pray the prayer every night. I've been told, I pray it every night. That's something I don't want to be wrong about. I just pray that prayer. Now, I'm not going to make little of the prayer or light of the prayer of salvation. But I just want to explain it. If you truly give your heart to Jesus Christ, why are you continuing to pray a prayer? I've always been careful. If you hear me on this stage, I'm going to always present the gospel, that people need to be saved, that Jesus died for our sins. He did for us what we cannot do for ourselves. You're going to always hear me present the gospel that we need to put our trust in Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at some scriptures that, that talk about the sinner's prayer. But I've always, I've always made a point to say, praying a prayer, there's nothing magical about praying a prayer. There's nothing mystical about it. I'm very cautious in saying, don't just repeat these words. I could get every one of you and everybody in every country, not every country, but I could get uh, many people who would be willing to pray a prayer or repeat a prayer. But repeating a prayer does not make you saved. Jesus makes you saved. So if you've just prayed a prayer... And you're going through life thinking, well, I'm all right. I've done that. I've checked that box. You need to be sure. That's all I'm saying. Thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands have come to Christ at uh, Billy Graham Crusades, and he's led in a prayer. Wonderful. He's one of my heroes. But all I'm saying is be careful. When you think that you've repeated a prayer to mistaken that for a true relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus was talking to church people in, are y'all following me? Okay, I just, I just don't know sometimes. You got that look. Sometimes people can, there's some talented people among us because they can look right at me, but they're making a grocery list at the same time. That makes me so mad. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus says, not everyone that says, who's he talking to? First of all, he's talking to followers. <laughs> he's talking to people. Uh, he said, not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, <laughs> I mean, seriously, did we not prophesy in your name, 
and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. He's talking to church folks. He's talking to people that, that have prayed a prayer, that have gone on mission trips, that participate in projects, who show up at church, but he says, they're missing the key ingredient is that they have never been saved. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare... Now, the Bible does not teach a specific prayer. You won't find it. I lead in a prayer I'm careful to say. Don't just repeat. I'm careful to say there's nothing magical. It, it's, a, it's a heart decision. But this is it. Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus, your mouth, therefore prayer. I don't always pray out loud, do you? No. So I'm declaring with my heart. But he says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you get saved right there. And so through prayer, I can articulate that through prayer. And so that's why I lead in a prayer. And giving folks, you may not pray it out loud, but it's a, it's a heart decision. He says, declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God the raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 13. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone that calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. George Barna did a uh, study of Americans, and that 50% of Americans, get this, 50% of Americans say that they have prayed a prayer. But two-thirds of those that have said that they have prayed a prayer are not attending worship this morning. And their lifestyle is no different than an unbeliever. That's some pretty heavy stuff. So be careful when you say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ I, because I prayed a prayer. Well, good. But is it, has your life changed? Where are you on Sunday? Where are you at worship, at times of worship? Is your life changing? So, well, I'm a slow, I'm a work in progress. Well, I'm a slow work in progress. But at least I'm in progress. And so... Jesus said, not everybody that goes on a mission trip, not everybody that's a member of a church, not everybody that shows up, checks in on Sunday, checks in with God and checks their mark. But life has not changed. Be careful. You need to be sure that you're born again. Now, the whole premise of this message and, and all five of these messages and it, it's going to be good, it's good stuff, is based on this verse in verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you, will know, that you may know that you have eternal life. I want to give you two things, two main things. Number one, does God even really does God really even 
want us to know that we're saved. I mean, does God really want us to know? Some people would say, uh, no. That's how he keeps us on our toes. <laughs> That's how he keeps us in line with, with the fear of hell. And so, with that mentality, you might go to church on Sunday, live for the devil on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and feel bad about it and feel threatened that, whoo, he's going to kill me if I don't change. He's going he's to zap me and I'll go to hell. I'll burn in hell over that. I've heard people say that. I'll, I'll burn in hell. I don't know. Yeah, well, I do know. Uh, that's not the way it is with God. God does. He, he told us in verse 13, I've written these things so you will know, that you may know that you are saved. So, T, Pastor T, so how can we know? I, I, I mean, what is this? There, there's two observations here. Uh, number one, he loves us. Yes, yes, he wants us to know that we're saved. Yes, he wants us to know if we're not saved, too. And you need to take notes, make some mental notes of this. Uh, yes, he wants me to know that he loves me. He loves me. Any good father would want their child to know that he loves them, right? I want my children to know that their father loves them. Well, God is the good father, the great father. Of course, he wants us to know that we're saved. And he's, it's because he loves us. This is what I know. Write this one down. The only way that we'll ever develop real love for him is to know that he loves us. Once again, the only way we'll ever develop real love for him, Jesus, God the Father, in our hearts, the only way is when we are assured that he loves us. God loves us unconditionally, without conditions. He loves us in spite of. My wife, she loves me in spite of, even though I have weaknesses. I don't have many. Bless God. She didn't have to love me in spite of much. Uh, she, she's, she was at the other service. Um, thank God she's not amening this one. That was so embarrassing. She loves me in spite of. She, she loves me with an unconditional love, and that's the way God loves us. He loves us with an unconditional, no conditions on it. He says, I'll take you just the way you are. You, and that's why you don't have to clean up to come to God. God will clean you up after you come to him. He'll change you. He'll, if you're really a child of God and nothing is absolutely nothing has happened since the day you invited Jesus Christ into your heart, you may not have invited Jesus Christ into your heart. Because he changes us. When I was a young man, I, I did pray a prayer. I did do what Paul said in Romans 10, 9, and what he said in verse 10, and what he said in verse 13. I called on the name of Jesus. 
But my life began to change. I'm telling you, I was a bad kid. So you parents that have bad kids, there's hope. I'm serious. There's hope. I could just tell you the stories. I don't have time. Uh, but God began, he began, rather, he began a process of sanctification, of changing in me. The, the second thing, yes, he does want me to know, and that is because real love grows in the soil, the soil of security. Real love grows in the soil. Number one, he loves us. But real love, it grows, it grows, it flourishes in the, in the dirt of security. So as I am secure of my salvation, so you got a lot of confidence in yourself. Man, you don't even know who you're talking to. I've got more confidence in the devil than I've got in myself. I know he's out to get me. I know he's my enemy. I have confidence in God. I have my confidence in God. I don't need to pray a prayer every night before I go to bed hoping that Jesus will finally hear me and that I, that I, I, I meant it enough and I repented enough and that, that I've changed enough. I'm giving heart, I gave my heart to Jesus Christ one time. Do you not backslide? Well, yeah. But the, but the importance of backsliding is what do you do when you get back up? Are you following Jesus? There's two observations on that thought. The first one is found in John chapter 14. <clears throat> Verse 18. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Two reasons that I believe that God wants me to be sure of my salvation. Number one, I'm one of his. I'm a, I'm a child of God. I am his, his child. We are his children. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. What father on earth wants their kids to feel like that they're orphans? Nobody. And we have the good father, the great father, God the father is the same way. He said, I will not leave you as orphans. We're his children. The second one is found in John chapter 14, verse uh, 1. Let, I, I, I can quote it, but it would be King James. Let me do it anyway, just show off. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me, for in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In fact, and I'm going, if it were not so, I would have told you. And I'm going to prepare a place for you. If, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. That's pretty good. Um, let's see if I left anything out in this one. He said, no, I pretty much got it. Um, Somebody, Jesus must be called. Um, I don't want to embarrass anybody. But uh, you might just uh, act like it's somebody else's, and while you're doing that, put it on silent. Um, when Marla and I got engaged, um, 
and I would go out of town, I would always assure her that I was coming back. Now, I wanted reassuring more than I think probably she needed to be assured. Because I'm, I'm the one that got the catch. You know, she just got me. But I would also always say, you know, I'm coming back. I'll see you. I'll, come. I'll see you. And that's what Jesus said. I'm going away, but I'm coming back because we're his bride. The church is the, church is the bride of Christ. Husbands, in Ephesians, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ loved the church. What did Jesus do for the church? He died for the church. The church is his bride. And so, does God even really, does God really even want me to know that I'm born again? Yes, He does, because He loves us. We're His children, and we're His bride. This is what I know. This is a long one. I've got to say it quick, so if you're going to write it down, uh, you better do it quick. Assurance in the gospel has a greater power to produce virtue and love in our hearts than the law could have ever done. Assurance in the gospel has a greater power to produce virtue and love in our hearts than the law. Now let me explain. In Martin Luther's day, uh, he was dealing with the, the established church, and the established church was saying, you can lose your salvation. The established church was saying, you got to... The best way to keep people in line is to threaten them. You do this, you're going to go to hell. If you do this, the church is going to put you in jail, and then you're going to go to hell. And uh, you need to confess all of these times and go to church all of these times. If you don't, you're going to go to hell. So Martin Luther, the leader of the Protestant Re Re Reformation, he said, that is a damnable a damnable." Doctrine of doubt. He said, you cannot function as a believer with that kind of mentality, with that kind of heart. And so the law is not to scare you out of hell into heaven, but the gospel gives you the assurance. It has more power in your life. Chapter 1 John Chapter 4, verse 18. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has nothing to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. We love because he, he first loved us. So let me say it this way. Assurance of the love of God for us is what produces the love of God in us. That's heavy. Listen. Assurance of God's love for us is what produces God's love in us. I can't love you without knowing that God loves me. I can't love my wife like I need to love my wife without knowing that God loves me. I can't even love God like I need to love God without knowing that God loves me. Assurance of my salvation the assurance of God's love for me is what produces God's love in me. Here's another one. God's acceptance. God 
acceptance is the power that liberates us from sin, not the reward for having liberated ourselves. You're going to have to chew on that one. All right. God's acceptance of me. Terry, like better. God's acceptance of me. What do I mean by that? Terry, I accept you. I don't deserve to go to heaven. I don't deserve his love. I don't deserve his forgiveness. I don't deserve his spirit living in me. But God's acceptance is the power that liberates me from sin. I don't want to sin. I do sin. I don't want to sin. And the fact that God accepts me is the power that liberates me from sin, not a reward for me having liberated myself. Look, God, I finally cleaned up my act. Look, God, I finally started reading my Bible. All right, one more. All right, God, look, I'm going to church. <laughs> All right, that's three. Good guy, good boy. I'm going to accept you now. But that's not how it works. God's acceptance of me is not, it, it, it's that power that liberates me from sin. Oh, wow, God has accepted me. I want to live right. God has accepted me. I want to be in church. God has accepted me. I want to follow him. Um, if, uh, let me explain it this way. If, if a rich guy came up to me, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm just going to pause through this because maybe God's spirit will speak to somebody. If a real rich person came up to me and said, Look, Pastor T, um, I, I, want to, I want to take, I want to send you and Marla to this private, all-inclusive resort on me. You know, God may be speaking to somebody right now. I feel it. Um, and so, so we, uh, does that include airfare? No, I wouldn't have asked that. Uh, okay, so we went and we're there and all the food you can eat, all the entertainment, all the excursions. Maybe God is speaking to somebody. And uh, Mr. Ledbetter, we need a credit card. Well, I'm, I'm too embarrassed to say, well, somebody else is picking this up. But no, we just need it. I could read my mind. We just need it to, for incidentals. Okay, yeah, here, here you go. Time to check out. Go to the checkout. And they said, uh, uh, you're thinking, oh, I hope, they I hope they don't run that car. I hope they don't run that car. Um, sir, we're, we didn't run your card. Uh, it's been paid already. And that's the way it is with God. We not, we're not accepted by our own moral bank account, by our, our own account, or good deeds, or hard work. We're accepted because of what He has already done. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot work your way to heaven. You cannot earn assurance you get it when you really get saved and it's 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 unreal that a person would keep on keep on keep on not trusting in the finished work of jesus christ what if you're standing at that checkout counter and say eh, i don't know did he really pay uh, or did you, you got my driver's license number? I mean, am I going to hear from you guys later? Am I going to get a bill? Am I going to go to jail? 
That's the way you are with God if you're always doubting your salvation. That's why John wrote in verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, I've got to wrap up with the second one. The first one was, does God really even want us to know that we're saved? The second one is, how can I know that I'm saved? I don't want to rush this, but how can I know? Some of you are needing to know right now. How do I know that I'm really saved? Number one, that you, if you have placed your hope of salvation, of eternity in heaven, of forgiveness of your sins, if you have placed your hope entirely on Jesus, you can know that you're saved. If you haven't done that, you're not going to know that you're saved, and you're going to be miserable. You're going to be living beneath your privilege. So number one, ask the question, have you placed your hope entirely on Jesus? We said something similar to this one a moment ago, but let me, I think it's important for you to get this one. The gospel by its very nature produces assurance. By the very nature, the gospel produces assurance because you are not depending on what you have done, but on what he has done. You're not depending on what you have done to earn your way into heaven. So the gospel will produce that assurance. The first one, have you put your hopes, enti- your, your hopes entirely on Jesus? The second one, verse 18, we know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin The one who was born of God keeps them safe, and the evil one cannot harm them. Do you have a new nature? The question is, do you have a new nature? I alluded to this earlier, but hey, we've got to revisit it. You want to know that you've been saved? One, have you put your hopes entirely on Jesus? Two, are you changed? Do you have a new nature? You say, well, no, not really. I still do the same thing I used to do. Let me tell you something. You can't, you can't do anything you want to do on the weekend, live any way you want to live, and then get up and go to church on Sunday, check that box, check in with God, check in with the songs, and leave. And there be no change. Man, that's pretty, that's like heated. That's right. And you need to hear it. Because when a person gets saved, they become a new creature. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you have that new nature. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the word. I 
pray, God, if there's somebody today struggling with assurance of their salvation, I pray right now that, God, you would help them know for certain that they've been born again or help them to understand how they can be born again. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you've never truly been saved, if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, if you've never put your trust in him, I want to give you an opportunity right now to make that decision. Say, T, how do we do it? You said don't repeat prayers. No, I didn't say don't just repeat them. I said don't just repeat them. Don't just do it because I've given you some words. Let this be a declaration from your own heart. You can say something like this and say, God, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. You did for me what I could not do for myself. I believe that you paid the penalty for my sins and that you rose from the grave. I believe that. I confess that. I repent and turn of my, from my sins and I turn to you, Lord Jesus. Come and live in my heart. I put my trust in you as Savior and I follow you as Lord. Some of you prayed or made that confession or declaration. And you really meant it. The first step is going public with it. While we're not going to ask you to walk forward, we are asking that you'll put your name on the card that you got when you came in saying, today I made that decision. Maybe as a believer today, you've struggled with this, but you know that you're saved. Maybe today in this passage, God has like sealed some, answered some questions for you. I'm going to pray for everyone, so please stand with me. If you need to talk to one of our pastors or ministers after the service, we'll be available. Father, I pray for the, this moment in our worship as we, God, uh, sometimes we feel like church is over at this point, but God, it's not. And, and we, out of respect, we worship you. We want to honor you right now. I pray for every person that's gathered and I pray God for clarity of what's been talked about today and uh, God we give you the thanks for meeting us here. We love you. We praise you in Jesus name.